Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to another episode of Not Rocket Science, the show that talks about culture, technology, business, and the intersectional relationship between all three. You feel me? You feel me? So yeah, we are coming in hot and heavy on this rainy humid Sunday evening here in Brooklyn, New York. It is super humid out right now. I turned my fan off so you don't have an annoying buzzing sound in the background of this recording. And uh, yeah, I'm already sweating. I'm already sweating about mm, two minutes in. So yeah, this is going to be a sticky one. This is going to be a sticky one. So brace yourselves. Anyway. Hope you're doing well. Um, yeah, this has been a rough weekend. These shootings, man. Absolute insanity. Absolute insanity. Twitter's been an absolute cesspool, but understandingly so. When things like this happen, you know, people are going to be obviously emotional about it. Um, and with me, it's like this whole 249 gun deaths in this country leads me to believe that there's some some problem no one i think the next biggest country is like three or four it's like the disproportionate statistics are extremely alarming to me at this point and it's been this way for a long time so like i think something has to change in the laws i think it's time i think it's over i think this party of being a gun country is fun for a while I guess to some people but I don't see a good reason for it I don't think people should have the right to hunt squirrels in their backyard no one defends themselves from militia we've had 200 years of samples and no one does that so that's not a thing like I don't know what the good reasons are you want to hunt bow hunt get a get a crossbow and learn how to bow hunt it's more skillful anyway like all these reasons are just bad and it's turning out like this Ohio death you know, people, the cops were on him in under a minute. Under a minute. I don't know. If he had a knife, I don't think he could have done the damage he did in under a minute. You know what I mean? I get it. You know, when I talk to people and they're like, it's a people problem. It's a mental health problem. It's not a gun problem. And I'm like, you're right. The root of it is not a gun problem. It's a people problem. But the bigger problem is the outcome of the problem is amplified from the fact that they can use a gun you know what i mean the gun's not the problem but when you have 249 deaths via guns in your country it becomes a problem even if it's not the root but the fact that it allows them to execute more efficiently and create more devastating outcomes means it's a problem 
I don't think uh, this debate is as binary as people like to carve it out to be. Or it's either a people problem or it's a gun problem. It's both. It's a people problem, but guns assist in the problem. And you can't argue it. There's no statistics that support the other side of that debate. doesn't exist. Those stats don't exist. Even if you want to, like, say, like, well, most of those deaths were, like, inner city deaths with illegal firearms. But it doesn't matter. It's still a gun. I personally think most of these mongoloids that do these mass shootings, a lot of them wouldn't even be able to purchase illegal guns like AKs on the black market if guns in, if guns in general were harder to get. I understand it doesn't make sense on the surface level, but I think it's just all um, systematic. Like you make something more accessible, the inaccessible versions are still more accessible than in other countries. You know what I mean? I think it's easier to get an illegal gun here than in most countries, like an AK, um, in terms of the El Paso one. It was like an AR-15, I think, in Dayton, and that's easy to get. So I don't want to throw off the whole vibe of this podcast, but, man, this week's been rough. This weekend, I should say. It's been rough. Uh, Yeah, I'm trying to stay off Twitter, though, at this point. Um, I don't see... The problem being solved soon on social media platforms. Hate to break it to you guys, but uh, yeah, it's not been pretty on the socials the past couple days. Um, but moving on, you know what I mean? Nothing you could do at this point, but move on. And uh, yeah, thoughts go out to those affected in El Paso and Dayton. Um, in other news this week, actually the past few weeks... Something that I've been kind of rekindling, if you will, is my pursuit in learning a second language. It's like every couple years this bubbles up for me and it's something I have to like revisit and get reinvested in. But I've never been able to really be consistent with it. The most consistent I've ever been is about a year or so, um, other than when I was going through school. At one point I really was fascinated into learning Brazilian Portuguese And I stuck with it for like a year and I got kind of decent, like basic conversational, decent, nothing great. It wasn't like I could like speak it for real or anything, but like I understood basic conversations and I think I made pretty good progress for a year on my own, you know, not going to Brazil or Portugal or something. Why am I bringing this up? Well, what I really want to talk about on today's episode is the benefits in all aspects of life. Um, that you can attain through pursuing for real, not like Spanish class in high school, like individually and independently pursuing a second language. Because I remember when I was doing that year-long exploration into learning Brazilian Portuguese, it really reshaped my mindset and uh, helped me kind of just look at things differently and playing Monday morning quarterback and kind of like looking back on everything. I think it could be argued that it was one of the first steps for me transitioning my career and up-leveling my skill set and up-leveling my income and, you know, being in a much better place professionally than I was at the time when I started trying to learn Portuguese. 
Um, I think it just makes you get out of your own headspace. So I want to talk a little bit about that today, what I'm learning right now, what I'm learning with, why, all that good stuff, and talk about maybe how it could just help affect you know your mindset if you wanted to do this, the benefits of how it can affect your mindset when it comes to other aspects of life. It doesn't necessarily have to be business. could be business. could be um, how you look at your career and development long-term um, or just how you look at a specific discipline or field that you work in. I'll get more into the details of that on a personal level a little later. But first, let me get it cracking here. So I am jumping back into learning Spanish, not Portuguese, and here's why. Um, live in New York, live in Brooklyn. I work currently in the South Bronx. Uh, New York, for those of you who have not been to New York, it's obviously a melting pot Um culturally in terms of different nationalities ethnicities etc uh but i would say definitely the most other than english the most prominent language in new york by far is spanish like by far there's you know areas in queens manhattan and brooklyn where you know everyone speaks um mandarin in chinatown Certain pockets of Queens, like Flushing, where the Chinese influence is very heavy. Um, and of course, you know, there's other neighborhoods where other languages are spoken. You know, down in South Brooklyn, there's a lot of Russian speakers. But overall, looking at all five boroughs, it's really English and then Spanish. Uh, there's a heavy Spanish speaking population in all the boroughs, basically. Um, by me, especially like in my building, I have people speaking Spanish neighborhood where my office is, is mostly Spanish. Um, it just kind of surrounds me. Most of the people that work in the restaurant industry in New York city are Spanish on some level. So it's everywhere. And, uh, I really like Portuguese. I want to improve my Portuguese, but I kind of want to learn Spanish, too. And that Netflix show, Taco Chronicles, that's really a thing that kind of lit the flame again for me. I just like tacos, man. And it was frustrating because I was watching it. I had the subtitles on, obviously. But there were, like, so many words that I knew, but I couldn't piece the sentence together. So I needed to watch the subtitles. But there's so many words I knew. And it's like, if I could just crack this freaking code, I would be able to understand that. Like, I feel like it's, like, within reach it's learning is tangible because before i took this portuguese pursuit exploration back this was around 2013 ish i want to say um you know in high school and middle school i took seven years of spanish and i had a spanish tutor so the concepts of spanish are not foreign to me as far as sentence structure goes and things like that and portuguese and spanish are very similar in that regard so even when I was learning Portuguese, I wasn't starting from scratch, even though I didn't really know any of the words. Structurally, it hit me really early. I'm like, oh, this is a lot like Spanish. So that kind of uh, expediated my learning a bit. And now I'm jumping back to Spanish, and I can use even some of what I learned in Portuguese to help improve my Spanish. Because one thing about Spanish and Portuguese, the words are pretty similar on paper when you're reading them they're pretty similar when you say them they're very different just because the structure of how you speak 
Portuguese is very different from Spanish, but on paper, you can kind of piece it together. So I feel like, you know, the goal is to be basic, mediocre, conversational at both Spanish and Portuguese long term. But I feel like even just learning Spanish helps me with the Portuguese because I know um, from terms of lexicon, like the difference of how you say Portuguese words. So it all kind of helps. It all kind of helps. But uh, I want to learn Spanish because just it's more practical for me. I'm around Spanish-speaking people. You know, I picked up my laundry today. That laundromat is, um, you know, a Spanish family runs that laundromat. I don't know which country. Um, Definitely a Latin country, not Spain. But point being is, you know, I just think it will be easier if if I could speak with them in Spanish. Um, You know, order restaurants in Spanish, things like that. And then eventually, you know, go to Spanish-speaking countries and speak Spanish there too. That's just kind of the goal right now. The overarching goal is to kind of know all the Romance languages on some basic level, but starting with Spanish and then revisiting Portuguese and going from there. Um, so, yeah, that's just the background on what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, um, all kinds of things, really. One thing that I'm doing a lot, yet I have very mixed opinions on, uh, opinions on is Duolingo. It's a very controversial subject in the world of polyglots and language learning. But basically, if you don't know, Duolingo is probably the most popular language learning app that exists. Um, It's kind of like a game. It's heavily gamified. The UI design just looks very almost like childlike, like learning. Yeah, you know, like if you remember when you were a kid, you know, watching those educational shows on PBS, like the other cartoons, kind of has that feel. But it's for adults, it's for anybody to learn a second language or a third language. Um, and it's just a lot of different steps, and it's all gamified, and you're in leagues, and you get badges and ribbons, and uh, you unlock new levels by passing previous levels. It's just a hundred percent gamified um and i think that helps it and hurts it i think it helps it because it keeps you on and it keeps you learning and the little hooks and everything from the audio sounds you know that they take from video games on slot machines where you get something right it makes like a kind of sound um to just the visual showing you all the levels that you can potentially unlock to like they even have an ad strategy where if you get something wrong, you lose a heart, but you can get your heart back by watching an ad. Like They go all in with the gamification strategy, and it keeps you hooked, and it keeps you engaged. But the question is, how much do you actually learn? And uh, I'm kind of mixed on it because I'm hard. it's hard for me to self-critique my own self because I've only been doing Duolingo again for a couple weeks now. And a lot of it is refreshing stuff I already know. So it's stuff I already know, and I'm just working through the exercises. So it's hard for me to say I learned that much. Um, I'm doing pretty well, but it's because I already know a lot of the material. Um, so I'm just doing repetition, repetition, just getting reps in. And just it's kind of like in my brain, I'm just re-piecing together all this stuff. But... I would say it's pretty effective in that. Like, I am learning things. I am learning sentence structure. Like, the hardest part about Spanish is knowing the different tenses for verbs and how you use them to put together an entire sentence. And it's something that 
I always struggled with, but I understood the basic structure of it. And Duolingo is helping me like master it. Um, but I already had some working knowledge going in. So it's really hard for me to kind of like pick apart what I already know versus what I'm learning now and like how effective Duolingo is in educating me. But I am learning something. But that being said, it's very easy, I think, based on certain um, certain flaws of Duolingo to get hooked into winning the game but not actually learning anything. Um, they recycle the same phrases over and over again. A lot of the sentences that you have to either repeat verbally or write out, a lot of the sentences just aren't very practical. And that's my biggest problem with textbooks. Um, most language resources I've ever tried learning from, the biggest issue is the example sentences just are not practical enough. Um, they really aren't. It's always like, does in English like the lang- the sentences that you practice with is like Juan do you not like to have apples it's like what do you not like to have apples or like here let's do one right now let's do one right now live on the podcast I'm gonna go through a Duolingo lesson a Duolingo lesson and break everything down so it's fresh and you guys get the full nitty-gritty. Okay, so I'm on my leaderboard. Um, one thing they do is they refresh the the scoreboard you're in based on the league, and the league changes every week. Right now I'm in the gold league. Um, it just started today, and I am not doing very well because I've, I took it light today. Um, I did not go too hard in the paint this weekend. Usually I do Duolingo on my commute to work. So, yeah, I'm currently in 18th place out of... Silver League. So, yeah, I'm not doing so hot right now. But that's... See, I'm already getting sucked into the gamification aspect of it. And, uh, yeah, it's not healthy. But we're going to do one exercise. Oh, I finished number two in the Silver League. Never mind. Oh, well. Um, oh, I, I earned 20 lingots. That lets you uh, go shop for things that I've never used, I guess. Whatever. There's too many coins in this game. There's, like, diamonds. There's these things called lingots, which look like rubies. There's points. Like, it's too much. Come on. Um, all right. So I'm going to do travel level four. And I'm going to break everything down to you as I do this. So level four or five, I'm 35% complete. I'm going to do like a UX audit on the fly for this thing. Let's do it. So first, they want me to say, El Señor Perez no tiene el boleto. That means Mr. Perez does not have the ticket. That's what the sentence says. But I, have to, I just have to speak it. So you're going to hear me speak it real quick. El Señor Perez no tiene el boleto. El Boleto. All right. Got it right. Cool. Um, yeah. Mr. Perez does not have the ticket. All right. I, now I have to write in English, si, yo no tengo una moleta. That means, yes, I have a suitcase. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, these are the sentences that I'm working with here. This is the material I get to work with. 
Sorry. It's like, I don't think I've ever even said that. Anything. I've never said, yes, I have a suitcase. Like, why would you, in what, in what context would you? Because even if you're at an airport and it's a, you're trying to, like, check your bag, you always say bag. You don't say suitcase. All right. La cartera. Laura, tienes la cartera. Laura, tienes la cartera. And then you got this ability to slow it down. Laura, tienes la cartera. So I like the slowing down because um, sometimes it's a little tough. But I think they're saying here, Laura, the name Laura, do you have the purse? Okay. Okay. So let's write that. Laura, do you have the purse? Question mark. Why would you ever ask if someone has the purse? Not a purse, but the purse. The purse. I got it wrong. All right. Oh, it's because I wrote it. I wrote it in English. All right. Another pet peeve that I have of Duolingo is they mix up what you have to write. It's either in English or in Spanish, depending on the question. But the interface looks the same. Um, and you just have to read the header. But it's very easy to not read the header every question because you're literally answering hundreds of these a week. So sometimes you don't you miss the header. Sometimes it says type in English. Other times it says type what you hear, and you miss it. So I get that one wrong because I wrote it in the wrong language, even though I wrote the correct statement. And sometimes they'll not mark it as wrong and say you wrote this in the wrong language. Other times they mark it as wrong. So that's an inconsistency. El tiene el boleto y el pasaporte. All right. This says, all right, they're saying he has the ticket and the passport. Is that a very useful sentence? Like, how often would anyone say that? Yo tengo un carro. Yo tengo un carro. I have a car. And then the next sentence. He has the passport. Like, they're just a little too basic bitch for me. Just a little too much. You know what I mean? I wouldn't use these in real life sentences. Anyway, I'm going to take a break and come back, jump back into this podcast because you get the point. The next one is she has a suitcase. You know what I mean? It's just like they're too basic. And this is level four. I only have the end of this level before I pass to the next stage. So it's, I just think the sentences are just not useful enough. They're a little oversimplistic. When I did Portuguese for a year, I did not use Duolingo. Duolingo did not exist yet. At least I didn't know about it. So instead, I used uh, these audio courses. I don't remember who it was, but uh, I found these audio courses online, and I used those. I just ripped them as MP3s, put them in my iPod. I still had an iPod. And, uh, yeah, I would just listen to those constantly when I was walking my dog, when I was going and taking the bus to work, and... I wish I remember what they were, but like they were full on conversations and they were basic and those sentences were a little questionable, but it was listening to back and forth dialogue conversations with annotations on what's being said. And that was a little better because it was like a real conversation. It wasn't these isolated sentences like 
she has a suitcase. I'm never going to say she has a suitcase. I don't know when that's ever going to happen. I don't think I've ever said that in English in my life up until now. So that's my biggest issue because it's not hard, guys. It's not hard to write more usable content. Sentences that makes more sense. Even if you want to talk about suitcases, because I've been learning about suitcases now for two weeks, um, you can say, what is your favorite color for your suitcase? Or how do you know at the airport which suitcase is yours? Like during baggage check, something like that, something that's practical, even if it is harder. I don't care. Like, I just think it could be much more useful. Or, Laura, is your passport expired yet? You know, something, something just more realistic, something I may ask in real life and not some choppy, weird sentence that is too basic to even be used in a real-life situation. It's just not practical enough. I am learning the words, though, but it's just not very practical. But to my main point, what does this do for you? Well, for me, learning a language, even if I suck at it, even if I don't get fluent, even if I stop after a year or six months or whatever, while you're doing it, you get out of your own headspace. You know when people are like, when you look stressed out, they're like, go for a little run, go for a jog, go on a hike. Learning a language is similar in that regard, where it doesn't clear your head, but it switches up how your head works. It makes you feel different. And you learn how rigid things can be in your own head, like... The biggest difference in, when it comes to learning another language often is sentence structure and the fact that there's no one-for-one -one translation. Like, there's words in Spanish that there's no English equivalent for, and you have to be, learn on their terms the meaning for this word that you can't quickly refer to in English. It's a brand new thing. Um, and then oftentimes there's sentences that don't directly translate to English. Um, words are kind of combined. So th something in English, that would be two words or three words. In Spanish, is one word or two words. And, and the difference between them is one letter at the end that changes the tense. It's like small things like that go a big way when it comes to just unlocking this understanding that all across the world, everyone in their head perceives things completely different in a way that you can't even you know, empath empathize with um, because you literally don't know how to communicate with that. So how can you empathize with something that, like, the, where the communication is completely foreign? And, you know, all right, in Duolingo, for example, do you have my purse? Tu tiene mi cartera. Like, the tu tiene is the equivalent of do you have, but the tiene means you and have because the tiene means have, but... It's in the form of you. Like, I have is yo tengo. You have is tu tiene. Um, he has is el tiene. She has is also el tiene. We have is el... Uh, nosotros tenemos. So, like, you know what I mean? It's just the rules of the game are totally different. It's like learning, you know, playing checkers your whole life and then learning chess or battleship for the first time and growing up thinking... 
checkers is not a game, but the game. You know what I mean? It's like, let's play the game. Okay. And then all of a sudden, you try learning another game, and the idea of what a game is totally flips upside down in your head because you thought game, i.e. communicating, meant checkers, but it doesn't. And there's certain aspects about chess that, you know, you could directly, um, you can use checkers and directly translate certain aspects of how you play the game to chess, but then there's tons of unique details within the game of chess itself that have nothing to do with checkers. And it's it's total uh, unique entity in that respect. And that's what, like, learning a language is. You learn how to play another game and you realize your idea of language, of what a game is, is, to- is just a fraction of the big picture. And there's, you know, learning... I know... I don't, I've never studied uh, an Asian language, but I know that this concept gets even crazier when you talk about Asian languages because things get more... Uh, further away from the basic building blocks of English, if you will. Like, I'm part Japanese, and I know in Japanese there's three alphabets. So just right off the bat, there's three alphabets for different situations, different scenarios. And then how you build sentences and words together with those alphabets, totally different. How you read, totally different. You read vertically, not horizontally. So that is just one example, and it's a completely different ballgame. So to sum it up, what I think learning a language really does for you is it gets you out of your comfort zone, gets you understanding something foreign, and gets you to understand even how to be empathetic with someone else coming from a different place. It doesn't let necessarily let, allow you to be empathetic per se, but it just kind of pulls back the curtain a little. And we all know in business how key empathy is. I mean, in my line of business it's like the most valued trait when it comes to experience design because that's how you understand what to build and why for who and you know the pain points the context and behaviors of that targeted user base user demographic um so for my industry it's super important but across the entire industry of business it's important i mean you got Guys like Gary V, for example, you know he's he's so big on understanding empathy and how to be empathetic that he named his freaking wine brand Empathy Wines for Christ's sake. Like it's now becoming kind of like a buzzwordy thing in most industries, but it's real. What it boils down to is something real. It's the ability to tap in and understand what someone else is feeling, um beyond just base level emotions and really be able to put yourself in their head that's really what empathy is about and i think learning a language is the starting point it's the starting block in being able to do that with someone who speaks that language natively and are are, uh, monolinguistic because when you're bilingual one thing i notice is like people that are bilingual they usually um it's hard to talk about the other language of them. They'll be accommodating to it a point, but then it's something because they're often raised learning that other language. They don't really analyze themselves and the relationship between the two languages they know that heavily. 
And for whatever reason, they tend to get bothered by it sometimes, at least the people I've talked to. You know, I've talked to multiple Spanish-speaking people that grew up in the United States, obviously speak English too. And it's just funny how, like, they don't... There's always a point where they're kind of shut off in being open to explaining things to you because it's just something they don't want to deal with and it's something that's natural for them. They don't really self-reflect on it. So it's you, you know you're analyzing what you're trying to learn constantly but for them it's just like huh you know what i mean it's just kind of like something they don't do that's just anecdotal um it's like a, a little anecdotal aside for the bigger point but point is is um i always think it's good to get out of your own head i think it's good to learn something that's foreign i think it's good to try to understand where someone else is coming from in business um I think that's a universal concept that's a valuable trait. And I think learning a language is one way to help you with that. And for me, I also want to learn just because I like the way Spanish sounds. Um, I don't like the fact that I hear it constantly and I can't really wrap my head on what's going on. And I don't have that bullshit mentality like, this is America and we speak English. Like, shut, shut up. The only reason you speak English is because... People originally came here from England. They wanted to come somewhere else because they didn't like where they were, and they just so happened to speak English. But language evolves, states evolve, everything's fluid. You know what I mean? Things change. And, uh, you know, I, I embrace change, and I embrace other cultures and other languages, and... I personally think it's cool to be able to speak two languages. I think it's something that uh, is very underrated. I think taken for granted by a lot of people that can do it. And um, I just think it's a healthy way to exercise your brain for the reasons that I just listed out. Anyway, just wanted to talk a little bit about that because it's fresh on my mind. It's what I've spent a lot of my free time pursuing. And, um, you know, I see the benefit. I really do. It helps me understand people on the other side of things a little bit better. All right. So if you have any questions, comments, please let us know at NRS underscore show on Twitter or Instagram. Talk about anything. It's an open forum. Anything you want. doesn't have to be language learning. could be about whatever. Um, also at notrocketscienceshow at gmail.com. And, yeah, just to wrap up, I uh, hope you guys have a good week ahead. Hope you get out there and do the damn thing. And until next time, take it easy and peace.